Voles are a big problem this year. What is a vole? What are they doing? Why are they a problem? And how do you get rid of them? We checked in with Taz Stewart from Taz Pest Control. Also today, we kicked off a two-week series on the future of work. We heard the story of a youngster who turned a love of sneakers into a dream job. And on that front, we asked you, what's your dream job? And in case you've been wondering, where the heck is Jeff Braun? Today, we got the answer. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, April 17th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling McGarry, McNabb, Mackling back. We're going to learn about his Oxford House, Northern Manitoba adventure in uh, just a moment. But before anything, we got to say hello to someone new on the team, Loren McNabb. Yeah, so this is a big week for us because uh, we want to welcome to the morning show. We're saying goodbye to longtime favorite Jeff Braun and hello to new time favorite Sarah McCarthy. Good morning. Hello. Adding, adding to the M's. <laughs> adding to the M's. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Now quadruple M. <laughs> oh my gosh. Perfect. Fortian Poitras are outnumbered. Four to two. <laughs> Dramatically. Although we lost more a few, you know, a couple of years ago. Ah, uh, yes. So this has sort of been mm, been waiting for for this, the rebirth of the four M. So welcome aboard, Sarah. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, I'm looking we'll forward to We'll miss Jeff, it. but uh, I'm sure that feeling will soon pass. Well, he's sticking <laughs> around just in case everyone, yeah. he's just moving on up to management. He's mm-hmm. now just going to fire us all in, in a couple days' time. <laughs> yeah, now he's my boss. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, how much sleep did you get last night? Honestly, I slept good. I did yeah. all the things. I know. I'm sorry. I did all the things. For- <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever apologize for no, getting for- a good night's <laughs> sleep. Very true. I did. I did. I went to sleep around nine. That's okay. Right. Yeah. How do you guys wind down? I, I don't. No. Just gave up a long time ago that there was no way to adjust. And, you know, when you get. Yeah. I woke I actually went to bed last night at about 730, which was weird. Oh. And then woke up at 1030 and then thought, shoot, yeah. because that was it for my body. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, you got three hours. You should be happy. And I just sort of lay there angrily for four more hours. Aww. Yeah. But that's OK. That happens. I'm happy you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy to bring the news to everyone in the mornings and we'll have some fun. And uh, just to, just to, for some context here, mm-hmm. Sarah's taking over a, a spot that has, like, I've been here since 2004. Only two people have occupied that spot. And I don't point that out to be like, you should know, you should be thankful and kiss the ground you walk on. It's just meant to, to re- remind people, like, this is a legacy spot on mm-hmm. this radio station. Only two people. Jeff Braun's been doing it. The funny thing is, Jeff and I were trying to figure you out when he remember. started. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what year it was. Uh, but he's been doing it for like 15-ish years. So, mm-hmm. Sarah, congratulations and yeah. uh, welcome to the team and say goodbye to your sleep for the rest of uh, you. your days. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm sure today was just a one-off. So, <laughs> go downhill from here on the sleep. <laughs> on the opposite end, we're going to hope we're hoping to bring Jeff on later this morning just to talk about his new role and, and but I also would like to know if he's going to be able to adjust mm-hmm. to the new hours. Oh. Like, Have you not seen the changes in, in his demeanor yeah, he's like a younger already? Man. He looks ten years younger. <laughs> he's like twenty pounds thinner. Now. He's he's got he's just smiling all the time. Yes, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, this is a good change for his health, for his uh, lifestyle, for uh, for a lot of reasons. It'll be a very good change for him. So, Sarah, thank you very much. We'll let you get back to it, and then we'll check in with Sarah at six forty-five uh, about what we're going to talk. We'll tell you a moment in a moment what we're going to talk about there. But Greg, on uh, Thursday, you flew up to Northern Manitoba with a couple of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, to Oxford House, and just based on the very, very quick snapshot summary you provided us, it sounds like it was, uh, I don't want to say life-changing, but uh, certainly a wonderful experience for you. Well, I would use the terminology life-changing because it's all about perspective. and anytime, hey? Yeah, very eye-opening. And I could do a whole soliloquy, I could do a whole report on you know, on, on how rough it is to live up in northern Manitoba and, uh, and life on a First Nation, the, the downsides. That's not why I went. I went to discover some positivity, to discover what young people are thinking about their future. And boy, was I inspired. And I have enough video, video and audio to probably do a documentary mm-hmm. and a video and, and radio documentary on uh, some of the things that I learned. But we'll introduce you uh, this morning to one young man who really had an impact. He's laser focused on his goals. He's, uh, he's uh, just in grade eight, but he has a genuine belief in himself and uh, we'll share his story with you. And uh, I can't wait to introduce you to Dawson Hart from Oxford House First Nation. He, uh, yeah, he really, he really nailed a lot of things in terms of uh, creating perspective for me. So it was a, you know, was it a gift for the Blue Bombers to visit there? Absolutely. But the gift really was received on on the six of us that went up there on Thursday in my mind. All right, so we'll have more on that at 7.35. And, of course, lots to discuss on the Jets and the whiteout, the playoffs. Ah! (laughs) First of all, I'm thinking about the sleep. (laughs) To expand on our conversation with Sarah, this is going to be a very difficult 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 days with regard to sleep and sleep schedule based on when the games will be played other than Saturday afternoon's game. It's all late games, the exact opposite of what most of us wish for around here, at least on this shift. So that's one side of it. And then the whole stress of, of playing Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, it looks as though the the backup goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets for two or three years, Laurent Brossois, will be the starting goaltender for for Vegas. And when you think about penning one of those uh, sports stories, Loren, you know, the backup comes back to, to haunt his former team. It, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good basis for a, for a Disney film script. I don't want that to be authored no. over the next two weeks uh, by any stretch. Let's make that fiction, right? We don't want that to happen. I had asked this morning, and we'll get more into this with Jim Toth at 8.30. I said, so has he been on a run? Like, is is he doing really well with Vegas right now? Is this why they put him as starting? Because he's their backup, right? But he's, he's had a decent run. Plus, I wondered about the psychological mental impact, how much that factors into decisions coaches make, or is he just the best guy for the job right now? I think at the moment he's the best individual for the job. He uh, he was one of the NHL's three stars last week. That's probably the best way to summarize it before getting into greater detail as we make our way through the morning. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb coming up at 9.35. Today we are going to begin... A future of work series, and today's topic is on dream jobs. So we want to know, 
what's your dream job? And one listener already weighing in saying, I don't have a dream job because I don't dream about working. I dream about being seven margaritas deep on a Caribbean island. All right, that's fair. But in the meantime, most of us, most of us have to go to work every day. So if you could pick whatever that job is, no matter how fantastical it might be, what's your dream job? 204-780-6868 for a chance to win yourself a couple of tickets for Valor FC versus Atletico Ottawa at IG Field this Saturday, April 22nd, game time, match time, 6 p.m. Sarah McCarthy, welcome to the morning show. What, why don't we start with you? All right. Mine's kind of random, but marine biologist. Marine biologist. Okay, George Costanza. <laughs> was that his? I thought his was to be an architect. Or yep. that was just his favorite well, he job. Dreamed, he, he always dreamed of pretending to be an architect. Yeah. Uh, I don't okay. know if he actually wanted to be an architect. He wanted to pretend to be. You know, I've always wanted to be a, pretend to be an architect. <laughs> Marine biologist, I feel like, is a pretty common thing for it's, when you're when yeah, you're young, right? Yeah. Like, like you really want to hang out cute. with dolphins. Yeah, and that was my check thing. out the sea turtles and that kind but of thing. But then, like, you think about like how deep the ocean goes, and I'm like, no, never mind. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. So you're I can't like even a soft loving yeah. marine biologist. Yeah, yeah dolphins. That's I can't it. even snorkel. Like I'm afraid that a shark is making a beeline for me yeah. no matter where in the, in the well, ocean. Well, see, I thought better of it. Clearly, so smart yeah, people that was I it. work with. <laughs> That's all. All right, uh, Mackling. What about you? Well, I mean, I know it's going to sound sort of cliche to say I already work my dream job, but I do, uh, plain and simply. But if if the opportunity arose and I had the financial wherewithal, I've already decided that I would buy a, a luxury uh, coach, one of those uh, MCI customized coaches, and start a, a tour company taking people all around North America to, see this? to the great uh, sporting events in North America and then... You know, maybe uh, we expand to Europe and other places around the world. And yeah, I just want to be a tour guide. I see you. I see you in this role like big time on a bus with a matching shirt. Like, like I'd have Vaughan a headset, style right? Or something. You yeah, know, you'd have a headset. To the Stadium. You'd be having a beer with the guests like as you go through it. The next thing you know, you're at their hotel hanging out all night. I could. I see this. I see this for you. I want this for you. This, this sounds unreasonable, but maybe not. No. Perfect. I like it. Where nothing could, I could see Greg as the tour guide saying, welcome to this new establishment where nothing could possibly go wrong. Possibly go wrong. That's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. That's a deep Simpsons reference, by the way. (laughs) Cam Poitras, what about you? Uh, Film director. That that's oh. that would be my that would be my dream job. I mean, all the work, the hard work that goes into it, the problem solving, all the issues that come up with it is all a part of the journey. Um, you start off small, and you know you, you you get really really creative, and then you move on to the editing process, and then you you release your 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 hopeful masterpiece and piece of piece of art in, into the world. So, uh, I love that's always been my that's always been my dream job is to like direct films, but I mean. What kind of film? Oh, whatever. You know, I, I I don't know. Like movies that I would want to see is is the way that I would I would want to do it. I wouldn't like I don't know sci fi. I could do drama, whatever. It's just like, make I, I like more, all kinds of movies. So there are more Lord of the Rings movies coming. Maybe you could get involved in that. Uh, I wouldn't touch. Why would you ever try? You can't match Lord of the Rings. It's the ultimate films. So like I would never even tr- touch something like that because I couldn't ever hold a candle to it. There's no hope. Why are there more coming? Is this a prequel situation or know. dead quill? Or Haven't you quill? heard sleep deprivation is a problem in Just North America? Let, They're let, trying to make sure people get more sleep well, by releasing you know, more of these I, films. What kind of person would fall asleep 
in front of the greatest film that ever made, which just knocks everything out of the park. You can't I mean, it would see take my hand, very, but my hand is straight up in the air. It would take a very special person, a very special <laughs> type of person, to fall asleep when you're when you're like witnessing history on the screen. <laughs> I knew that as soon as I mentioned Lord of the Rings, that would send us a little <laughs> little bit off the rails. I dig it. Loren, what about you? Dream job? I don't know what the job would be, but I want it to have me like wearing really great clothes with lots of different purses. In Paris, where I'm having like stopping for wine at a, bo- <laughs> you know, you're staring at that. Where's the job? Where's the job component here? But you always watch those movies. I was watching that series Emily in Paris, which I'm, which is fantastic for just the eye candy of fashion and scenery. I'm not really sure I like the show itself. Amelie, Amelie en but Paris. They, but they're in Paris, and they all have these jobs where I feel like they never work, and they're just lunching. And like have fabulous bags. The job has to be like, where can I lunch in a fabulous setting? And then if I can't get that, like, you know, I would argue when I did my years of foreign correspondent work that it was was a dream job of being able to travel. But you're often going to places that are not awesome or not having awesome times because, you know, whatever natural disaster or war might have befallen them. And I never got to actually see as much as I'd want to. So then the secondary to that would be like a travel job where you pay me to just lunch. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, review? I don't know. Yeah, so you can be a really food exist, critic. Doesn't really, no, I can't. I, so I'll be like, good. A wine, a wine this is critic. good. <laughs> I can't a wine be a wine critic. critic either. I know nothing. I'd just be like, this is great. That's a blue glass at all. <laughs> Tastes the same. That wine is a bit of an oaky after, afterbirth. Afterbirth, yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was that? Michael Scott, oaky afterbirth. Yeah, yeah. I just want to like look good in good places and get paid. <laughs> You get paid to do it. Basically, you want to be a fashion model that's allowed to eat lunch. I'd be thinner in this dream. <laughs> I mean, I'm really going for the dream, people. Jeff Forte and Master Control, what about you? Rockstar, baby. Ah. Who wouldn't want to be a rock star? Rich, famous, living a luxury life, doing the traveling. I would rent a bus from Greg and hire him as my own personal tour guide. <laughs> There you I go. love when a plan comes together. <laughs> We're the A team already for a change. That is the dream job right there. Plus, hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like a rock star. There's so many mornings where you wake up with regret. You know, like if you're like the 1980s rock star. Oh yeah, but that's fun regret. Is it? You you while well, you just have no. Like, I mean, if you're reading those books, like, oh, the dirt, you can't. Like, the dirt like, is awful. Like, they're just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're just terrible people. Like, you just have no remorse or anything. You have to be like, kind of like a psychopath. You just have another drink. You wake up, start your day the way you ended it. Vodka and more vodka. <laughs> no no <laughs> time to eat, go. baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. What would be your dream job for me? Uh, I, I, and it, this is only a dream because I don't have the pipes for it. But I, I wish that my voice got deep enough to be the voice of Optimus Prime from the Transformers. <laughs> I sometimes will catch myself like, in a, especially when I get sick and my when my voice yes. drops, I'll be sitting there on my couch trying to do it. I am Optimus Prime. You're the I'm, only person I know when they're sick. You have a kind of weird smile on your face when you have that throat, <laughs> like that voice, because you dig it so much. I, know, I, I feel like you walk around your apartment just like pointing at things, but refrigerator. <laughs> Let's eat now. <laughs> Turn on the TV. I have to do my dishes. <laughs> It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we are talking about voles. 
In our next half hour, we're going to learn more about Greg's trip to northern Manitoba. He visited Oxford House on Thursday with a couple of Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And a reminder, we're asking you at 204-780-6868, what would be your dream job? What does Susie say? Susie says, I'd like to be a comedian, but I'm really not that funny. A comedian or a Canadian? A comedian, (laughs) but I'm really not that funny. And then she posted a picture, though, of a son saying, Dad, I have a serious leak under my under the sink. We have a serious leak. And then it's an image of a leak, the vegetable, <laughs> with a serious face painted on it. And I laugh. <laughs> so, Susie, you are very funny. <laughs> and Jean would like me to know the job I was trying to say I wanted, which was to basically lunch a lot with nice purses and sit in a Paris cafe was rich. The job you're looking for, Loren, is rich. To be rich. And I was like, right, Gene, that's Rick. <laughs> what is your dream job? We've got Valor FC tickets to give away for this Saturday's match against Atletico Ottawa. The snow is all but gone on most Winnipeg lawns, but the melt has revealed a real mess for some homeowners. Uh, Including yours truly, although I do not have it as badly as some of my neighbors do. And it's um, an underground creature. I think they live underground. We're going to find out in a minute. That absolutely shreds, tears up, makes all these little tunnels just near the surface of your grass. And uh, I'm not very happy about it. But I guess we're going to learn more about these little varmints. They're called voles, and Taz Stewart knows all about voles and more. Taz Stewart of Taz Pest Control joins us now. Good morning, Taz. Good day, good day. I'm enjoying uh, your uh, vole fun, and hey, I want a rich, rich job too. Can you set me up? <laughs> I don't know how to get there. That's the problem. But you know, to be rich is the job I'm looking for. Taz, what is a vole? Like, what's a vole for those that don't know? Because I wasn't aware this was such a big issue this year. Oh, it's it's been a fun one for sure, and uh, they're part of the rodent family, and yes, those little tunnels have been being made all winter and being covered by that nice heavy snow uh, coverage that we had, and boom, you're seeing it now, and what they do is they feed on those roots, those shoots, they like to eat the, the bottoms of flowers, and there's one lovely place literally down the street from me, and they actually strip all the bark literally about six inches up of a, a bottom of an ash tree. Like it's just, just they, they had a ravenous overwintering. So they're actually vandals. Vandals. Yes. That's a good way. Yes. <laughs> Where do they go? Where do they go in the summertime? I don't think I've ever seen one. What do they look like? And where do they go once they've, uh, you know, inflicted all this destruction Taz. it had they've had their fun over winter and uh, they are actually there and the thing is they're damaged your grass regrows and they're feeding still on those uh those shoots those roots and etc but your plants and your grass are actually fine and that's the thing it's unsightly in the spring but as you uh start to get warm which i'm hearing sometime next next june we might actually have summer um <laughs> It's uh, it, it goes away, and really, literally, raking it up will help in assist that reseeding, uh, throwing in a little bit of soil where you're seeing those uh, tunnels is is key, and that's uh, what's going on there. They're, they did their damage, and you're seeing the results of it as the snow melts and disappears. But you might get some in, on Wednesday, I hear. Any any ideas to like what is causing the problem to be worse this year? Well, one of the main 
things is that heavy snow cover, natural predators to them couldn't get to them. So you're seeing that damage. Uh, we didn't really have a really large snowpack last year. So the, the bull population couldn't actually expand as much or it could be as healthy as you're seeing right now. But that's just one uh, opinion on that. And it just could be a natural cycle too. You're seeing it. Uh, an increase over the last couple of years in those oil numbers and people, of course, not doing any control programs or going, hey, it's only minor this year. Next year, we won't care about it. So what you want to do, if you don't have any pets, you know, put perpendicular to where those tunnels are. Look for the hole, uh, the entrance and exit uh, point in the ground. Put it down there. Then nice little peanut butter, chocolate sauce, a little jelly jam. Always works as an option. And uh, you really want to have those tier one traps uh, if you do have pets or kids you want to have uh, devices sitting on those tunnel lines and the bulls will come in they'll feed on the poison and of course die <laughs> so if they don't do anything in the sense of you're saying that my lawn can recover do i actually need to do something about the voles if i have to just put up with the fact that once it warms up it'll look better if i rake it over well that's one piece uh, chances are those voles will do the same damage if we have the sort of same or similar conditions next year you're going to see, see a lot of damage again to the following season okay. so you want to do that control program in place so call on a professional and uh, get rid of them but uh, the damage is done i hate to say it you're going to have to deal with it how do your calls on this compare to previous years well, um, being uh, new uh, on my own here as a pest control service provider, um, I don't have last year's calls, but uh, in my previous experience, last year was, a, you know, not a banner year for voles. They were present. People were getting damaged. But this year, definitely, um, wow, uh, I'm, I'm seeing it almost everywhere, and it's not even funny. So if I don't get rid of them this spring, they're going to go deep, deep, deep underground, and they will uh, do exactly the same thing next year is what I'm hearing, Taz. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it, but they don't go deep, deep underground. They find a nice hiding spot, just like you and myself. We go a nice and warm spot and find a dinner spot and enjoy winter again next fall slash winter. <laughs> do they ever get inside people's homes? They, they do. Um, they're not like mice uh, specifically. They sure are darn cute and look like them, but uh, they're more dumpy, bigger, bigger sized, and uh, they, they usually are an outside pest, but sometimes they can get into you know, your garage or into a home if there's an access point. All right, Taz Stewart of Taz Pest Control. How do we get a hold of Taz Pest Control? Hey, easiest way, Taz at tazstewart.ca or 204-292-8444. All right, Taz Stewart, thank you very much for joining us this morning to talk about voles and let us know at 204-780-6868 if this is a problem that you are currently dealing with. If it's a problem you've had in the past, what did you do to deal with that situation? I think I've only ever seen one once. They're kind of cute. They are. They are kind. They are cute. It's they like, look oh. like hamsters. You kind of wonder yeah. if it is a cyclical thing, right? Where some it could be. He mentioned snowpack, but is it also just a thing that they come through heavier in some years? Over others, I was thinking about tent caterpillars, and I wondered if this was one of those years. The forest tent caterpillars. Ugh. <laughs> Better not be one of those years. They uh, are the. They're, they're so gross. They're a plague. Ugh. Right now, let's switch gears from the Winnipeg Jets to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who have wrapped up a series of visits to schools in remote northern Manitoba communities before the season gets underway. 
So on Thursday, Bombers wide receivers Nick Dembski and Drew Walitarski travelled to Bunabandi Cree Nation, also known as Oxford House, in northern Manitoba. So that's 900 kilometres north of Winnipeg. And Greg and Global News reporter Marty Blunt tagged along. There you go. Running football drills and running towards their dreams. There you go. For Blue Bomber Nick Dembski, that's what this visit to the remote northern Manitoba community of Oxford House, or Bunabonabi Cree Nation, is all about. I mean, these kids, you know, they don't really have the chance to come into Winnipeg uh, often and, and see, you know, football drills and learn how to play this sport of football. So we just want to spread the love and, and let them uh, get the football in their hands and, and see if they enjoy it. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers visiting the community this week, a fourth and final visit to a northern community for the team this year before the season gets underway. Two of the trips were overnight trips and then one was a day trip. Um, so we just had a lot of time to hang out with the kids, teach them football and just form a connection. What is my favorite part about being a football player? Speaking with children in each community, giving them football equipment, shirts and autographs. Partaking in the occasional foot race. We need more, uh, what is it, brown rice? And even swapping out football skills for serving skills. Sharing the power of sport and teamwork. Just being able to win or lose with other people around you is, is really big. Um, you know, I, I lost a lot as a kid, but I did it with friends. I did it with people who I knew I could rely on and talk to. And, and sometimes when you're alone, it's harder to take those losses and it's not as fun to celebrate those victories when you're by yourself. For Connolly Blackburn, he hopes the community can soon start a football team of their own. I had a good time here. Good drills. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, I don't know, it's pretty fun. Like The drills I did, did uh, I enjoyed them. Reaching out and connecting with communities far away from the stadium and sharing skills that can hopefully be used both on and off the field. You know, even to come to these communities and, and you know, just kind of show what they have to offer to us, you know, we just like to return it and, uh, and spread love and positivity back to them and, and hopefully they can pick up a football and, and learn a new uh, gift while we do it. Marnie Blunt, Global News. So I wanted to play that because Marnie did such a fantastic job of setting the scene and personally just an incredible opportunity to visit Oxford House and see these visits and the impact they have on the young people on this First Nation of over 2,500 people. And, and Loren, I have to tell you, we weren't in the high school more than a minute, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I was taking off my shoes. I was taking off my boots and putting on my indoor shoes. And I was in, the, went into the gym and Nick and Drew were already playing basketball with the kids. There were probably a dozen kids. And then the blue bomber started filling. They brought 150 footballs and the kids started taking those as quickly as they were in, inflated. So it was pretty, pretty cool. You joked, we joked with you on Thursday that you're going to pretend to be Joe pop, you know, right. like, like a, just a veteran at alumni of the Blue Bombers. How long before you were running around with uh, Drew and Nick and the gang? Uh, two minutes. <laughs> I had no choice. Uh, the kids were throwing footballs at me and, and coming over. I don't know who they thought I was, but looking for advice on how to hold the ball. And, and we were just having a, a, a great, great time. So it didn't take long. The kids wanted to show off their skills. They wanted to learn a little bit more. And so it wasn't very long before we were bonding. Even across the gym, there was young one young fella I, I don't know if we uh, even spoke to each other for 
three, four, maybe even ten minutes, we were just throwing the ball back and forth and and in you know invisible language, or just you know you go that way, I'll go this way. It was really fantastic. Now we weren't supposed to go. This was all at the high school, by the way, and we weren't supposed to go to the elementary school, but we ended up finding a way. And let me tell you this: the kids, the staff were so excited to see the players. It was absolute mayhem. They had been setting up uh, several indoor events last week because with the melting snow and some precipitation, it's impossible to send the kids out for recess. So they were doing some indoor activities and we crashed their karaoke afternoon and the kids had some great questions for Nick and Drew. Since I was seven years old, I'm 28 years old now. It's 21 years. And I've been playing football, so I'm 29. I've been playing football since I was seven, so 22 years I've been playing football. What was it like to win a Grey Cup? Oh, man. Do you guys like Christmas time? That's how it felt. That's how it felt. Christmas morning, presents under the tree. So we went back to the high school, and Drew and Nick, help serve lunch to all the students. And I spent most of my time in the gym visiting. And you heard briefly in Marnie's report from one of my new friends. His name is Dawson Hart. Dawson is in grade eight. And I asked for and received permission to speak to Dawson about his dreams. I'm trying to get into the NBA and trying to play for the Memphis Grizzlies. You even have a team that you want to play for. Why Memphis? I don't know. Just to go see Memphis, go live there. If that doesn't work out, then I can always I can always get traded to a different team. Talk about sports. Why do you like sports so much? When I was a kid, I was like really, really like big. I was fat, you know. I started playing basketball, and I pretty I liked it. I started losing a lot of weight from playing basketball. Hockey. I, I'm goalie for hockey right now. I was trying to play when other reserves came here to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then um, I couldn't play because I had a broken thumb. Oh, shoot. That's yeah. not good when you're playing basketball or hockey. Yeah, but I still played basketball when I had a broken thumb. What did you do, just wrap it up or you had yeah, a cast? I, I, I wrapped it up. I played with one hand. <laughs> now, was it no, Was your left hand you broke your thumb? Yeah, I, I was playing with my right. It was my dominant hand, so I can still dribble Yeah, pretty good. You're pretty good with both hands. Mm-hmm. When, uh, after my thumb broke, it was like it was like didn't have the, as much movement as my other hand, so I started training my left hand basketball when did you discover basketball how old were you i was 12. i saw this guy at the court i asked him if i can play with him then we started playing once he taught me how to play basketball if i keep working on my game i can one day you know like be better than them so do you just practice when you're at school i think you told me you come to school early every morning yeah i come to school eight o'clock in the morning trying to um trying to like play by myself in the court for a while Mm because it's usually stuffed when around 10 o'clock so stuffed is, I'm pretty sure, packed or full of kids. Uh, and I have to say, the hospitality we were shown was second to none. And we don't have time in this segment to introduce you to all the people who were kind enough to share their stories with us. But I'd like to play another 80 seconds from Dawson. I wanted to see if he was thinking about what was ahead of him and, and discuss what drives him and the challenges of pursuing his dreams. I have a hard time focusing on school and all that. I still try my best, Yeah. but I'm rarely in class. My teacher 
my teacher tells me that I'm early in class, and I'm trying to work on that. I like basketball a lot. Favorite subjects in school? Which ones do keep you interested? I'm trying to get good at math, so like I, I guess math like keeps me interested because it's kind of hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. So if anything's hard, I don't know. I just try to work on it better. So if you're going to go to the NBA, then you need to go to university probably first, right? I'm um, probably going to head to Toronto. Yeah? Uh, yeah. And then move down to America. I'm not sure where I'm going to stop, though. But I'm, I'm going to try my best to work on my dreams. You've inspired me, mm-hmm. just so you know. You've inspired me today. Well, and I want to inspire a lot of people when I'm when I'm older. Like, because I'm really short for my age. Mm-hmm. and But I'm still growing. But um, I'm trying to like work on my basketball so I can play in the NBA, provide for my family because my family doesn't really have a lot of money. I'm trying to make my way out of here so I can go do big things, I guess. I want to shake your hand. Okay. I want to wish you nothing but success, nothing okay. but the best of luck on the pursuit of your dreams. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You uh, go get it. All right then. Thanks, pal. You, you take care. I will. I love him. That's I love what, him too. Maybe 13 or 14. Yeah. I like how he's specifically going to go to play for Memphis. Yeah, a yeah, very specific dream. He wants to get to Memphis, and yeah. he wants to do do well for his family and try yeah. something new. Some uh, real sincere thoughts there. Obviously, it's it's not completely thought out, but that's what dreams are about, right? Is is dreaming the impossible sometimes? And when I met Dawson earlier in the morning, he was dribbling his ball, the ball between his legs, and doing all sorts of fancy stuff, showing off for anybody who would watch. But with a little more time, he and I were just kind of having some chit chats. And then, and then, as I mentioned, I asked the principal uh, for permission, and he got permission from his grandmother to to speak with me later on in the day. And he really opened up, and it was genuinely inspiring for me. When we're talking about dream jobs today, he's already got his mm-hmm. dream lined up and he knows the steps he wants to take to pursue that dream. So we wish Dawson well on his pursuit of NBA glory with the Memphis Grizzlies. And as you pointed out, if it doesn't work out in Memphis, he can always get traded. So that's great. I <laughs> that love, the, great. love the optimism. Thinking it out, Just right? Just go to another team. Yeah. I'm going to be good. No Don't worry about it. No problem. I like, and I think, you know, when you have athletes like the Bombers come and visit a school, if you can't get out always out of your community to see what might be out, out there in the world when someone comes to you that also opens your eyes a bit. It's all just about seeing possibilities wherever they might lie. So, Greg, thank you very much for sharing that story. And you can read more on Marnie's story at cjob.com. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Jim Toth joins us at 8.35, co-host of Jets at Noon and host of The Jim Toth Show, which airs 1 to 3 on 680 CJOB on weekdays to talk about the Jets. But right now, before and before we say hello to the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, just a quick reminder, we're asking you to tell us about your dream job. What is your dream job? What would Jennifer like to do? I would love to be on stage as a backup singer or in a chorus of a Broadway show. Jennifer figures that would be an adrenaline high every night. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not the Phantom of the Opera, though, because the chandelier has fallen for the last time at the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Right now, let's talk about sick calls for firefighters and paramedics in this city. They're way up over the last five years. So are the number of overtime hours. So as we've been telling you this morning, numbers obtained by 680 CJOB show sick days Jump from more than 8,000 in 2018 to 13,000 last year. And when it comes to overtime hours, they've quadrupled. And I think it's safe to say for many of us, you know, more sick days might be a sign of stress. And so these numbers also 
also show psychological claims by our frontline workers are also up. So in 2018, for paramedics alone, there were 3,000 hours lost to psychological claims made to workers' comp. Last year, that number jumped to more than 10,000 hours lost. So that's a big climb. Christian Schmidt is the chief of WFPS and joins us now. Good morning. Good morning. So it's maybe a complicated question or maybe it's a simple answer. I don't know. But what's going on? What are you hearing from your staff, Chief? Well, it is uh, it, it is complicated, uh, but the numbers are what they are, and they are very concerning. And uh, quite frankly, uh, we're a product of the environment that we're in right now, uh, but we can't uh, sit around and do nothing, and um, we haven't been. The... Um, you know, the, the numbers, uh, every organization throughout the world, uh, particularly in healthcare through COVID, has uh, experienced uh, issues with sick time and psychological claims uh, during COVID. Uh, we are also seeing that here in Winnipeg and across the province, uh, in paramedicine uh, operations ac- across the province. Is this uh, burnout, Chief also- Schmidt? I'm just curious what you would call it in terms of like what you're what they're saying to you in terms they might be sick from COVID or they might be That's- burnout from COVID. Well, it's uh, it's a combination. Uh, months ago, it it was the illness itself. You you actually had it, of course, uh, in families uh, widespread across the community. Uh, that's that's not the, the factors that we're dealing with right now. Uh, right now, it's co- coming down to uh, to volume, call volume. We had uh, uh, all of these issues that are impacting the workplace. We also have, um, we've talked before about the incidence of violence in the workplace and the exposure that staff have to that. That all has impact on, on staff and their ability to be well and come to work. And some of these injuries, psychological injuries, when people uh, are exposed and suffering uh, from this, it takes them out of the workplace for, in many cases, a considerable amount of time while they get the clinical care that they're required uh, in order to uh, mend and be well and in a state that they can actually return to the workplace. Some, some of the, uh, the threats and the violence that staff are exposed to in the workplace is quite significant. Uh, to the point uh, that it can impact their ability to function in their regular lives outside of work. That starts to impact their families, uh, their friends, their children. Um, and these are things that, as an employer, we have to be very cognizant of and uh, be working to support our members. Christian Schmidt is the chief of the Winnipeg Fire Police Paramedic, uh, pardon me, Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. And Chief Schmidt, uh, just this idea of more and more hours being dedicated to, you know, uh, people being away because of a psychological uh, mental health uh, stress and issues. Is this something that's changed over the years, the ability or maybe the willingness of your staff, of your people to come forward with these issues? Well, certainly um, people are talking about mental health and wellness more than ever before. And that is a good thing uh, because, of course, uh, if you don't talk about it, it doesn't get recognized and people can't get uh, the help that they need. Um, Years ago, I mean, I've been with the service for 30 years. Years ago, uh, people suffered in silence and this played out in different uh, ways in the workplace, Uh, maybe performance issues. There might have been uh, drug and uh, alcohol addiction issues. Uh, there could be family breakdown, marital issues going on outside of the workplace. Um, the, these are all very real things that impact people. People are now talking about these exposures. They're talking about their mental health and wellness, and they're getting help. 
Um, in 2021, the city made uh, very, very substantial investments in our behavioral health unit. We now have a clinical psychologist and a behavioral health nurse that's available to our staff, and uh, they are busy. Uh, I get uh, regular updates from that team, and um, people are seeking the help, and they're getting the help. In some cases, it's uh, helping them remain in the workplace and remain well. So the job is taking a psychological toll, but with overtime way up, there's the financial issue as well. Like, what's this costing? So we've seen uh, uh, major uh, financial implications as a result of this. Uh, Case in point, last year, uh, we had to go in September for uh, an overexpenditure report for our overtime, and it was in the neighbourhood of, I believe, uh, $8.5 million. That is a record for this department. Uh, so it's something that uh, we would like to ensure that we don't see again. Um, we do plan for illness, okay? We, we are in a situation where when somebody is uh, sick and unwell and not able to come to work, we do have to fill the spot. We don't have the option of running without them for the day. So overtime is something that we have to plan for here. We do have staffing ratios within our fire operations and paramedic operations work units, uh, but those ratios... Uh, while they're designed to plan uh, for absences and allow us to staff, uh, we really have pushed those uh, staffing ratios to the max uh, in the last couple of years. Is there a fix for that? I mean, if you had a magic button you could push, you can't help people every day get go through what they're going through, but could we add more staff? Is that even an option? I know you've been down that road before with the ask for more ambulances. Yeah, so in terms of staffing ratios, these are things that we work uh, through the regular budgets process here at the City of Winnipeg. Um, And in terms of your question uh, related to uh, paramedics and ambulances, we are currently uh, looking to finalize uh, a a service agreement with Shared Health Manitoba. And uh, part of those discussions are to address our uh, staffing and funding uh, for the operation. Christian Schmidt is the chief of the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Chief Schmidt, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks kindly. Have a good day. In the meantime, tonight, the second season in the NHL begins, known around the world, of course, as the Stanley Cup playoffs, but in these parts, specifically by me... (laughs) I keep hoping it'll catch on. I'm going to stick with it until I go. It's going to be <laughs> on my tombstone. It. Yeah, The North American Ice Hockey League Championships. 16 teams, one goal. Four games won tonight. Four more tomorrow night, including the eighth place in the West, Winnipeg Jets, visiting the first place, Vegas Golden Knights. Jim Toth of the Jim Toth Show and co-host of Jets at Noon joins us now. Jimmy, good morning. Good morning, all, and that'll never, never get old, McGarry. I used to go to Jets practices, and Mitch Peacock of the CBC would walk in every day and tap me on the shoulder and say, excuse me, is this where they play the men's ice hockey? (laughs) (laughs) For like five years in a row every day, and he, of course, covered the Olympics, so it was hilarious. But anyway, yes, it's an exciting time. Well, you could uh, help uh, have that catch on, by the way. You have a couple of uh, different uh, formats with which you could uh, promote uh, Brett's dream. So don't be a dream yeah, crusher. No. We will do that. All uh, right. I may, maybe somebody in round two will go up to a player and say, how are you enjoying the North American men's ice hockey championship? We can only dream, right? 
Well, we're talking about dreams today. Jets are the only team in the West which didn't make it to 100 points in the regular season standings, Jim. That that matters not now. I have to tell you, I'm seeing a lot of analytic websites insisting that this series is a coin flip. How do you see it? Well, I do see it as a coin flip, and and I am taking the Jets. And I know I've already gotten the, 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 oh, you're a homer guy, but... I'm not a homer guy. I've, I've dissected the, the two teams. I've looked at them. I think the Vegas Golden Knights have had an enormous amount of success, obviously finishing first, playing a very, very strict system. Uh, they don't have any massive top, you know, seven-player depth on the forward line that's going to put up, you know, massive goals. They score in committee. They have a ton of guys that have 10 goals or more. Um, where the Jets have, you know, 40-goal scorer Mark Scheifele. They have in the 30s with Kyle Connor. So um, I, I do think it's a pretty evenly matched team. But like Kyle, Connor Hellebuck said the other day after a practice before leaving for Vegas, just because we're the eighth seed doesn't mean we're the worst team in the West. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. The Jets are their own worst enemy, and we saw that in the second half of the season. But when the Jets can play like they can play – they are, I argue, a top three to four team in the West. And I think they can take out the Vegas Golden Knights in a playoff series. So the last time these two teams met in the playoffs, Marc-Andre Fleury was the difference for Vegas. Now we've got former Jets back up Laurent Boissois, or as I like to call him, Loren, starting the Nets for Vegas tomorrow night. Uh, <laughs> we're going to play some audio first, Jim. I'm not telling you guys any secrets. LB's a great goalie, and he showed that when he was here. Um... So that's that's not a secret that he's come out and up uh, from the A and, and done as well as he has is is it's not a huge surprise. So a lot of guys in here have played with him against them. We'll be sharing our secrets in here, but you know we got to beat more than just him. So it'll be uh, it'll be a fun series for sure. So that's Nikolai Ehlers forward for the Winnipeg Jets. Is goaltending going to be the difference in this series? He says they have to beat more than just him. I think the goaltending is a difference in most series. So, yes, I think it will be. And I think that <clears throat> along with the rest of the team matchup, uh, Lauren Brisson has done a really good job with his career. He came out of the Edmonton Oil Kings and the WHL, highly touted, and it didn't work out for him in Edmonton very well. Um, and then he came here, and, and Wade Flaherty, he credits Wade Flaherty and the work that he did in the offseason with Connor Hellebuck in Kelowna with where they train and where they do their goaltending offseason work. Um, so they are close friends, and Loren Brisson has turned his career around from where it started, but goaltenders lately usually are late bloomers. Somebody who's not a late bloomer is Connor Hallebuck. He's come in as a fifth-round pick, unheralded, nobody knew who he was, and he had a mediocre 26 games in the NHL, and then he went on to do what he did and uh, is a Vezina winner. I think it can come down to goaltending. I think Loren Brisson is the right choice for the Vegas Golden Knights to start a net, and the reason why the goaltender won't matter as much as it will probably for Winnipeg, is because of the defense that the Vegas Golden Knights have and how they keep everything to the outside and play that system I was referencing. But he's not Connor Hellebuck. And you don't have to look back to Connor farther than Connor Hellebuck's last game in Minnesota and the way he played and the way he helped secure that 3-1 win. He can be a difference maker. And there are the pundits like Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet who thinks he should win the the. Uh, Con, uh, sorry, the Vezina Trophy, not because he has the best numbers, but because he played 13 games down the stretch and literally pulled this team into the playoffs once they started playing better. So I think goaltending is going to be one of the main factors that decides this series. Connor Hellebuck's going to have to be on. But he was this good when they played five years ago in the Western Conference Final. Mark andre Fleury just played better. 
The Connor Hellebuck I know remembers that. The Connor Hellebuck I know will be, you know, using this as motivation. I'm not losing to Vegas again. I expect Connor Hellebuck in this first round to be at his utmost best, and I think he will be a difference maker in the series. Now, outside a couple of question marks next to Kevin Stenland and perhaps less so Nikolai Ehlers, the Jets seem pretty healthy. The Golden Knights, though, they're missing one of their stars, at least to start the series. Yeah, Mark Stone has been out with back uh, injury. Well, not an injury. He had back surgery again, and it's multiple back surgeries for him. The Winnipegger is one of their big superstars, especially defensively. He's one of the best two-way forwards in the National Hockey League, and they need him in this series. He can score that big goal for you that he has for the Golden Knights throughout his career and even back to the Ottawa Senator days. But he has not played a game in months, and I don't think that they would be playing him if he wasn't ready but I do think that there's some rust there. And I think that's why it's important the Jets start with uh, a good start in Vegas, take one of these first two games before Mark Stone settles in probably by the third or fourth game and gets his game going. Jack Eichel is a difference maker as well. Jack Eichel is a, is a dynamic uh, superstar. People are, aren't too happy with him uh, when he left Buffalo, but people forget he was the number two overall pick. And the only reason he was number two was because a guy named Connor McDavid went number one in that draft. So they do have some firepower, but what the Jets need to do is they need to play their system and their forecheck because I just don't think the Vegas Golden Knights are deep enough up front. Now, Nikolai Ehlers, I think, will play. Kevin Stenlin is the ominous one to me. Um, Nick Ehlers talking to the media and everything else, that's a good sign that he is legitimately day-to-day after that hit in Minnesota. Not hearing from Kevin Stenlin and not seeing him on the ice doesn't um, bold well for me. And the reason why they need him is because he's the guy that's been coming off the boards or over the boards to take face-offs on the power play, on the penalty kill. He's a fourth-liner who's out there, and the minute that he wins a face-off, he gets off and guys like Nick Ehlers come on. That's how important he has been to this team. And when you're talking Mark Stone, he's one of the best face-off men in the NHL as well. So they need Stenlin on the ice as well. But I think they can get by if he misses the first couple of games. Mark Stone is a difference maker. I just don't know if he's at that level right now, having not played for a couple of weeks and months. Jim, I got a dozen different questions for you, but maybe we'll leave it there and uh, we'll look forward to Jets at noon, not only this week, but uh, hopefully for weeks to come. Yeah, we hope so. I do think legitimately they can. It'll be a long series, six or seven games. I do think Winnipeg gets out of it. I, I really fear Edmonton in these playoffs and, of course, Colorado. But um, I think the Jets can go toe-to-toe with the Vegas Golden Knights, and it should be a very good series. Jim Toth is co-host of Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and the host of the Jim Toth Show, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. weekdays on CJOB. Jim, thank you, sir. Thank you, Bo- thank you all, all three of you. Sorry, and have a great day. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have, coming up in our next half hour, we begin the Future of Work series on Global News. We're talking dream jobs. Today we're asking you, what's your dream job? Well, it's inspired by today's piece about a youngster who's turned sneaker collecting into the dream job. So we're excited to share that story with you right now. But that music that we are playing right now, Mr. Mackling, heralds the arrival, the return so to speak, of the man, the myth, the legend. Jeff Braun, the voice of news. Hello. On the morning show, not only on the start, but variety of other 
morning shows on 680 CJOB. I think we figured it out at around, what, 15 years or so, Jeff? Somewhere uh, more than 15, less than 20. <laughs> the best math I that can do like, on that. I can't even believe you don't know the hard date of when you started no. as a news anchor. I remember the day I started at CJOB. Uh -huh. Well, September 98, is as close as I get there, but... And do you remember the day? Was it was there a monumental? Did anything happen? Were you nervous um, no. on your first newscast? Oh yeah, newscast? Yes, for sure, absolutely. The first newscast was a couple years after that, and uh, I will spare some names because I'm going to be glib about the death of somebody. But a, a coworker who was supposed to do the news had a family member die, and the boss said they're not coming in. Can you do the news tonight? And it was a Sunday, and I was like, "Yep." And do you know how to do it? And I was like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> So did but, you, uh, between you me it, and another guy who was doing sports, uh, Phil Aubrey, our friend, uh, so between the two of us, we muddled our way through a, through a shift, and the boss was uh, shocked and surprised. He's like, that's better than I thought that was going to go. And then uh, cut to however many years later, here we are. You have a voice for this, though. Have, have, how often have you heard that over the years? All the time. Yes. And I don't know when it started. It's like it's not something I grew up with or suddenly had it you know, after puberty or anything like that. I, just, I, think I, I honestly think I got it just from listening to... Bob and Kelly and Don Curtin and Ken Clausen and Robert Holland and Barry Burns and Lauren Edwards and all these other guys. But this is your voice. It's not like you're trying to make your voice into no. a radio voice. This no. is Jeff it, talks like this like all the time. Sure. <laughs> if you People say ask so, that. People I don't know. Say, I like, can't hear my own real voice. voice? And, you're, and you think, what do you mean? Is that their real voice? <laughs> well, and the other thing I have come to learn about you is you hate listening back to your own stuff. Yeah, can't stand it. You got to do it when you're, especially when you're starting out, to try and get better at it. But no, I. If I hear my voice on the radio, I turn it off. I do a segment with Christian on the sports show. We just talk about sports movies every couple of weeks, and I'm always driving around when that plays. And the <laughs> first thing I do is like, oh, that's coming up. I got to. Switch, put it on some Springsteen instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're we, well, we're going to have to. You're going to be listening to your your own voice for three minutes coming up in a minute here. But Oof. before that, because we have had listeners asking for the last two to three weeks, where is Jeff Braun? Where is Jeff Braun? Jeff's not gone, is he? What are you doing now? Did they secretly think that maybe I was the sixty million dollar winner? <laughs> He's just phasing himself. I had hopes so. I was going to hit you up so hard oh, for some cash. I've got, I've got my lottery plan, and you will never get a hold of me if I win. So don't worry about it. Uh, no, I've uh, been uh, promoted off the air to uh, as a kind of a management position, and sort of uh, looking over all the anchors and doing that sort of thing. So, and there's um, a connection with our TV news uh, broadcast over at Global TV, just kind of being the liaison between the, t the TV and the radio, that sort of deal. And I'll still be filling in. Uh, news anchoring here and there in a couple of weeks from now I'll be doing the afternoon news for a week while because people will be on vacation and still like doing couch with Brett yep still doing couch potatoes with Brett and filing reports for Sarah to run in the morning some days I was going to say I heard your voice in the news run this morning so your voice uh, shouldn't be very far no uh, for our listeners. Uh, I know lots of people are going to miss you, though, Jeff. I I'm going to miss you as well. Well, a lot of people often say, oh, we, we miss Jeff's humor in the morning. So what we decided to do is put together a little package of your greatest hits from our morning uh Roundtable chats probably should have coordinated the music choice a little bit better with producer Jeff Forte. Here we go. Jeff Braun really likes his Fitbit. Weirdly enough, the thing I really like the most about it is that it, it's also a watch. Oh. I haven't had a <laughs> worn a watch in 10 years, but now it's, this thing's on my wrist, and I was just like, hey, what time is it? Oh, I just got to turn my hand over, and there it is. <laughs> what is this new fangled yeah. technology? The time on again. my wrist. A time teller on my wrist? <laughs> 
You sorcerer, you! Once, at this apartment I lived in years ago, I was going to move out, and of course you have to do the uh, inspection to get your security deposit back, and I had stained the carpet, the brand new carpet, which was less than a year old, and I didn't know what to do, so when they came to do the inspection, I just stood on top of the stain. <laughs> and I didn't move. Did you Got get my full deposit back. boy, Jeff. I was on a date about 20 years ago. Young, very nervous Jeff Braun, terrible at dating. I went in to go and kiss her goodnight. Instead, I, I tripped over her bicycle. I went down in the heat. I caught the metal pedal square in the forehead. <laughs> what I think is to my credit is I, I popped up like, a bolt of lightning and kissed her anyways, turned around and just took off. Was there a second date? No. <laughs> We're asking you to tell us a joke. Jeff Braun, got one? Did you hear about the new restaurant called Karma? There's no menu. You just get what you deserve. <laughs> Hearing a case of beer at the time and I trip on the seatbelt as I'm getting out of this car. My only thought is, oh my God, the beer is going to break. Somehow lurch one whole leg out in front of me to try and break the fall and this uh, ill-placed ankle took the full weight of my body and my momentum and I got a huge double sprain. It was black on both sides. Oh, oh no. goodness. Horrible. I was hobbled for like a month from that one. But the beer didn't break, so it had a happy ending. <laughs> What would be the coolest thing about living on Sesame Street? The best part would be just how simple and easy life would be. I mean, you'd be walking down the street and you come across a group of people and say, hey, what's going on, you guys? And they'd just be like, oh, we're learning about sharing. And I was like, oh, what'd you learn? Sharing is good. I was like, yeah, it is. See you later. <laughs> Every time I watch the movies, I think, oh, I should reread The Lord of the Rings, and I want to. And then I look at them on the shelf and see how thick they are, and I think, but it is not this day. <laughs> End of story. Survey says the majority of Canadians say cheese is the food they can't live without. Jeff Braun, what about you? I'm with the study, and I'm, I, my pick is cheese easily. My favorite meal is a loaf of French bread and a bunch of cheese. Cheese is perfect, and you're right, it, it goes well with everything. What kind of what cheese? What kind of cheese? Uh, just solid. <laughs> <laughs> Couch Potatoes co-host Jeff Braun. Hi, Jeff. Is he joining us today? Isn't he off? Oh, he's off today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to miss you for those morning chats, Jeff. I'm going to miss it, too. It was a lot of fun. Jeff Braun, no longer the news anchor in the morning, but will be filling in from time to time, and you will still hear his voice in the occasional news report and, of course, on the Couch Potatoes, which airs Saturdays and Sundays on 680 CGOB. September of 1998. That's how long you've been here. Uh, yeah, as far as everyone's <laughs> concerned, that's what we've come as to an agreement on with the company, yeah. <laughs> you were born to run this newsroom, Jeff. Yeah. Get out there and there do it. it. <laughs> Armageddon, I think, was the number one movie in theaters when I started here. Oh, wow. That's how long ago it was. That's how the Couch Potatoes mark... Time. Things because I, when I think of when did the couch potatoes start? Well, it was X Men Three: The Last Stand was the first movie that week. So <laughs> it's true. And the Da Vinci Code was right around there in the first couple weeks. It was the second one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, just the wealth of knowledge. I love it. So much useless knowledge. No, it's not. People love that stuff. Jeff Braun, thank you very much, sir. Congratulations on accepting the new role. And it's funny when I heard about this job they were creating. And I thought, oh, I wonder who they'll bring in for that. And then when Jeff said he got it, I thought, oh, yeah, that's perfect. And he's the perfect guy for this job. Why did I not think of this? Almost perfect, except for the fact that he's leaving us to do the job. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. What is your dream job?
Next half hour, we're talking about the future of work series being put together by Global News, talking about dream jobs today. So what's your dream job? Corey, for example, says high school janitor is the dream. Coffee in hand, headphones in, stress-free environment. And I suggested, like, would it really be stress-free being surrounded by all that drama, all that high school drama? And Corey says, you call it drama, I call it entertainment. Oh, Corey is uh, living out the breakfast club. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. That was someone's dad, which was it. Whose dad was that? Well, they knew each other. Carl was the was the janitor, but I don't think he was anybody's dad. I think he just knew uh, Michael Anthony. I thought Hall that was Michael Anthony's dad. No, that? I think he just talks to him oh. quite a bit. That's right. It wasn't. Didn't he describe himself as the eyes and ears of, of this, this institution? institution? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I haven't gone down that road in a long time. Uh, another listener, uh, unnamed, uh, in our text lines, just says running a beach bar in Vietnam. Yes, I, I actually went down a rabbit hole of just looking at bars in Vietnam. Yeah. And there's a lot of great ones. Any for sale? Did we get in on some of that action no, or what? I didn't get that far. I got really distracted. Then I looked up flights, and then the next thing you know, I was on my way. <laughs> To, to Vietnam, Vietnam. checking out haven't the best you, haven't you seasons been there? to be in. No, I've been to Cambodia oh, okay. and Thailand. All excellent. But not. But I know people who say Vietnam's one of their favorite places. Diane says, my dream job is to be a restaurant food critic. It should ensure that I would get top-notch mm. service and food. Right. So Diane would not go about this job anonymously. She would want everyone to know exactly who she is when she walked in. That's, That's a good right. way to do it. Yeah. Let them know ahead of time. I'm coming. <laughs> So you get ready. Be ready. <laughs> this one's really cute. As uh, another runner-up, driving a show truck slash highway tractor from city to city at children's hospitals for the kids. Oh, how nice is that? Yeah. You would know you were always making someone happy. Yeah. Like every time you pass the hospital, you'd just be feeling good. And if you like to drive, you're even happier. But Fabian, Greg, is our winner. What does Fabian have for us? I studied psychology and labor law, thinking I was going to, to be someone helping people with their issues. I ended up being a service manager on board the Canadian with Via Rail. Wow. This job became the dream job after I realized that I was being paid to travel and enjoy the scenery while sitting in my office on board. I had the best time of my life connecting with people from around the world. Plus, I met a lot of famous people, John Cleese, John Travolta, and many more, plus great musicians. I had the chance to be uh, fed by the best chef in Canada, working in my dining car. Finally, I made another family since I was always on the road with my colleagues. That gave me the best of themselves serving on the Canadian and the foreigners visiting our beautiful country, Canada. Today, I reflect on my dream job. I had a blast for 35 years. Not one trip was the same as the others, I've seen it all on board the Canadian. It was a dream job. That's cool. That's so cool. I know a few people who who did some stints with Via, like maybe just summer jobs, uh, but you know during school, and they all said it was just a like the time of their life. It's so romantic the train and the sound that lulls you in, and if you get into one of those bubble cars where you can see the scenery and go through oh, the yeah. mountains, and it's beautiful. Have you, you, you've spent time in Europe. Have you ever gone on a train ride in yeah, Europe? Yeah, I've done a few. Like through uh, the mountains? Um, yeah, done a few of them and they're great. But I've done the one in the Rockies because we had family in Revelstoke. And when Ooh. we were kids, we went from Brandon to Revelstoke on the train. And I remember sitting in that bubble car as a kid. Threw oh. up on my brother. <laughs> a, that's like, a great view a from Calgary, <laughs> Calgary West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's boring in the car.
And in case you missed it earlier at 7.35, Greg, where did you go on Thursday? Oxford House First Nation. Part of a trip that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were making. Nick Dembski and Drew Walatarski went up, took 150 footballs, T-shirts, flag football uh, materials so that the kids could play flag football and was lucky enough to to meet some very fascinating people, including a couple of young people whose uh, stories include their dreams for for the future. And we, we played one of those stories this morning at 737. You can hear that at the audio vault at cjob.com or check it out in the podcast, which will be up in the next couple of hours. And we'll have more from Greg's trip uh, tomorrow morning on the start. How often did you visit, did you hear from your parents growing up? Go to school and get a good job. Just like the, isn't that a George Thorogood song? Mm-hmm. Maybe get you, a haircut. That's right. Get a haircut and get a real job. Well, maybe you yourself as a parent are now advising your children to do the same. The kid that Greg talked to at 737 from Oxford House talked about wanting to go play in the NBA and then he was going to make it to Memphis. And if he didn't make it to Memphis, he'd get traded somewhere else because that's what a kid, that's how you dream. Absolutely. And this next story is about the idea of taking any kind of dream you've had. And yes, there's some that are loftier than others, but there are all sorts of jobs out there. And we want to introduce you now to a multi-billion dollar industry you might not have heard of. We get more from CKNW producer, Ryan Lelaw. When you think of billion-dollar businesses, what usually comes to mind? I'm sure you're probably thinking of Apple or Microsoft or Tesla. Essentially, all of the heavy hitters when it comes to technology. What if I told you about a billion-dollar industry that is slowly starting to take over social media and the internet? Welcome to the sneaker world. Now sneakers are looked at as like art almost. All the auction houses have really started to treat sneakers like art. And I think just the past couple of years, like the industry is growing exponentially. There's even like places where you can like buy like part of a shoe. You're investing in it. And then if the shoe goes up in value, you it's kind of like a like a dividend of like a stock. That is the voice of 22-year-old Ty Engman from Vancouver. Engman is the founder of Curated Van, a strictly online-based shoe marketplace that has over 60,000 followers followers on Instagram. I source and sell like vintage sneakers such as like the first Air Jordan ones that came out in 1985 and then I move into some of the retros that came out in the late 90s as well as some of the pairs that came out in the early 2000s. More so focusing on like the historic sneakers and the pairs that have more more sort of like history and are almost looked at as more of like art pieces versus just shoes. The 22-year-old has been able to turn selling sneakers into a full-time job with his biggest sale being at Get this, just under $30,000 Canadian. That was a 1985 Air Jordan 1 in the Carolina blue colorway. Whenever I say I sell sneakers, it kind of gets like a look that's like almost like, like, oh, like sneakers? Like what? Like you can't be serious. A lot of people, I guess, don't understand it or know like how big the, the business is. Yeah, the numbers speak for themselves now. And selling to some of the biggest music artists and athletes around the globe. A higher end clientele for sure. But most of the celebrities that I've sold to, such as like Lil Yachty or Devin Booker, Kevin Hart, they're buying like the pre-owned stuff because they want to wear the shoe and those range anywhere from like 2000 to 10,000 ish a lot of people are looking at it as like an like the sneakers as an investment like for me as an example some of the shoes i bought maybe three four years ago have like almost quadrupled in value or maybe five times from a niche obsession to a multi-billion dollar business today sneaker reselling has become an over six billion u.s dollar industry across the world 
That, according to the financial services and investment bank, Cowan. I know some people who move it like over like five to ten million, ten million in sneakers a year. There's definitely a lot of money to be made. Now, while a variety of different brands and shoe models may fetch a few hundred to thousands of dollars, there has always been one king of the industry, the Nike Air Jordan. Jordan 4s or Jordan 1s. Obviously, like being tied to Michael Jordan, arguably one of the best basketball players of all time. I think that also has another reason to, to do with why the shoes are so popular and so sought after now. You could argue with me that the industry would not be the same if Michael Jordan hadn't signed with Nike. Dion Pralika is the CEO of Vancouver-based Soul Savvy. It's an online-based platform that helps sneakerheads get their hands on the goods they want. Soul Savvy is an end-to-end -end platform that simplifies the process in buying sneakers and, and collecting sneakers. We started in 2018 trying to solve the problem of how do we help people get the product they want and put it on their feet because the resale industry was exploding and that was ultimately creating a lot of problems for consumers. These are essentially, at some point, they become collector's items. They're so rare, so hard to find that there's someone out there looking to acquire it for their personal collection, right? When we get into the, you know, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars of cost for a shoe, it is really about scarcity and the collector's mindset. But as an industry, it's it's growing steadily. And I think the, the change we've seen in sneakers over the past five years is tied to that more, it is more acceptable to wear sneakers in different situations. People are getting married in their sneakers. They're showing up to work in suits with their sneakers. Women are wearing sneakers with their dresses. Things that like no one was doing five to 10 years ago, it is now part of fashion and culture. Much like Engman's love for sneakers as a teen, Pralika's story also starts there. I have 600 pairs of shoes. It probably goes all the way back to like high school sports check, really basic like Nike basketball shoe. My parents were immigrants to, to Canada and lavishing on shoes as I've done the, for the past 10 to 15 years was not in the family budget when we came here. I quit a government job when I was 21 after being there five years to do my first sneaker startup. And obviously my father immigrant said, why on earth would you give up a government job? You can just retire there and enjoy your life. And I said, that is not what I want to do. Now, sneaker culture has existed in its current form for decades. Some would say it dates back to the 1980s when the first Air Jordan shoe was introduced to the marketplace. Pralika says it was during the COVID-19 pandemic where the industry saw a boom. People moving their discretionary spend into other things because they couldn't travel through the pandemic. It really created this boom that every mall in America and Canada was opening a consignment shop, a resale shop selling sneakers. What does it actually take to become a reseller? Can anyone actually do it? Now from Ty's perspective, I love what he does because he's He's, he is reselling product, but he's curating. And there's a story to what he's doing and an angle that he's taken that is sustainable, right? He's digging into the archives around the world from the 80s or 90s to find um, real gems that uh, collectors will, will value versus going into the local Foot Locker or Nike store, buying 10 Jordan 1 lows and hoping he can make $10 a profit. He's he's, he's really created a, a brand and, and, a, and a value to collectors versus extracting from it. And I think a lot of people thought they could just buy 10 of one shoe and start making hundreds of dollars off that, which is not the reality. You gotta like actually like want want to do it. And it has to be a passion and you have to like love doing it. Like I'm pretty much 
working 24-7 because a lot of it is from my phone and whatnot. I don't know. I love it, though. I wouldn't trade wouldn't trade it for anything. So whether it's a classic pair of Adidas superstars made famous by Run DMC in the 1980s or a pair of Nike Air Force Ones, there is potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars to be made. And it doesn't look like the industry is slowing down. According to Grandview Research, the global sneaker market is expected to grow from over 5% between now and 2030, making the industry worth over 120 $28 billion US within the next decade, which begs the question, maybe it's time to turn that passion into your full-on 9 to 5. For the 2023 Future of Work series, I'm Ryan Lee Hall. Maybe I can start selling some of my classic t-shirts as well. I don't know if I can make a living at it. Uh, Air, the movie featuring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, the story of uh, Michael Jordan and how Air Jordans came to be. Saw that movie a couple of Fridays ago. Outstanding. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so if you're a sneakerhead, that's probably uh, a must thing to do. And you've probably seen it if you are one. And here in the city of Winnipeg, just around the corner from where we're sitting at Portage and Maine is the Collab Shop, 246 McDermott. We told you about them, oh, probably about two years ago when they were on Albert Street. They've become so successful. They have a second location and moved their first location around the corner from Albert Street onto McDermott. So they've got almost twice as much space now and uh, things are, they're cooking with gas over there. They have all sorts of uh, featured classic sneakers, Brett. And there is, if you want to learn more about the interesting and fascinating culture of sneakers, there's a great documentary show on Disney Plus called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, (laughs) where he just decides in in, in each episode, I want to learn about this. And he, he doesn't tell like the entire history of something. He just, you know, focuses on a few different aspects. And he, the first episode of the series is on sneakers. So good. It's like a stock. It's like trading stock, I think, for some people with your shoes and you build up a collection and it's worth something. And so when your partner says to you, do we have anything for retirement? You just point to your closet and mm-hmm. say, yes. There you go. I'm related to somebody like that. I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I've seen those He's photos. He's done very, very well. Well, 